Hello to all you survivors out there in the wasteland. We're transmitting from our hermetically sealed bunker beneath the nation's capital, and thank you for joining us on whatever scavenged receiver you've got going today. I'm Evan May, author of The King in Darkness and Bonhomme Seto. And I'm Brandon Crilly, Ottawa-based author of science fiction and fantasy. We are very excited to bring you today part two of our ongoing conversation with Violet Milan, Tanya Huff, and Marie Bilodeau as we continue to while away the impending apocalypse, talking about writing and life and anything else that comes our way. Gather around survivors once again, and welcome to Broadcasts from the Wasteland. Craziness. So which was your first computer? I don't know. I don't know. I know I was looking at the, um, I was looking at the Apple, but it was $4,800. And yeah, and I could get, um, you know, what we now call a PC, uh, an analog uh, IBM uh, for like $1,800. My Commodore 64 cost 22. So guess which way I went? You know, (laughs) I went with the one I could afford. And I wanted a laser printer, but the laser printer was $1,500. Yeah. So I got one of the dot matrix. Oh, my gosh. The, the daisy wheel one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, yeah. a, a dot matrix or a daisy wheel, because they were different, because the daisy wheel was essentially no, a flat right. selectric. You're right. Yeah. I, had, I had the dot matrix. I also had a daisy wheel, but the daisy wheel was my electronic typewriter. Oh, okay. See, I had, so I had a daisy wheel, because yeah. you could change the daisy wheel. That's right. And do oh, different yeah. fonts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, ooh. That yeah, was it was it essentially was like a flat selector. Yeah, right. Like okay. It just it and it just it sounded when it was running. It sounded like someone typing oh, for yeah. three days. <laughs> like Whereas yeah, the dot matrix was just a horrible <laughs> streaming noise. Oh, it was awful. And, it was awful. and there was always the added thing, especially for school assignments, you had to remember to leave enough time to take the tractor. The tractor. Yes. Oh, exactly. oh yeah. Okay, I need exactly. to carefully rip and, those and off and rip not the, like, oh, and rip yeah. the pages yeah. apart. Yeah, because of fan fold paper. Misty Lackey and I used to send each other manuscripts. Fan fold paper, and uh, Fee came home from work. I think it was like the second Vaniel book. Fee came home from work once, and I'm in the living room in this cloud. We had a, the, our living room is about the size of this room, which is not particularly large. I'm in this cloud <laughs> of fan fold because normally I would read it and fold it up as I read it. We never bothered to take them apart, yeah. Yeah. but I was reading so fast I didn't want to fold it up, so I was just scrolling. <laughs> and the living room was like packed with this loose fan fold paper, and I'm like, I am never oh going to get God. this folded up again, oh am I? <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, if we had only had one. That was back when we were in the the little tiny tiny Toronto apartment. (coughs) Yes, this is way way back. That's hilarious. So, first computer? Well, I come from a computer family. My dad is a computer tech. My brother's a computer tech now and and a technical teacher. But the first one I remember was a TRS eighty. And so we had the TRS-80 with the cassette tape and all that. And my, my father would actually, you know, program and code into useful Ooh. things. And, and I was there and I found it alone one day at the computer. Uh-oh. And I'm like, oh, great. So I sit down and I start typing because, you know, I can figure this out. Like, do, 
and I must have been like seven at the time. And I started typing this story. Now, what I recall it as this great deep rendition of Little Red Riding Hood with nuances and different bad guys and like really evolving the genre of the fairy tale. It was probably a straight up retelling of Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> Regardless, I was very proud of myself. And I, I remember I typed for a long time, so it was probably at least three sentences long. Like <laughs> probably without punctuation, because that was hard. But you know, still. Who knew from punctuation? Right? Come on. <laughs> it, it's, it's evolved people. Like just follow the literacy of it, you know. And, uh, and then I hit enter. And I was in the command prompt. So when you hit enter, it thinks you're sending a command, and it's like, this, is, this, this isn't a command. So it just blanks the screen out, because oh. it thinks you're shitty at programming, which, granted, that was shitty it, at Fair call. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant yeah. at writing, though, yeah. but shitty <laughs> at programming. programming. Yeah. And so it vanished, and I remember going, crying to my father, who then made an expert show for, I think, like an hour of sitting in front of his computer with, like, his cigarette dangling yeah. from his mouth, just like, you know, what you did was very complex, but let me see if I can reach you. I'm, <laughs> like, calming down because he's handing me, like, toys. <laughs> Here, play with this. Yeah, basically, while well, he made a good show trying to retrieve it, but now that I look back at it, yeah, he was just, you know, playing yeah. the good dad part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the first one I remember. Wow. Yeah, good days. My literacy chops just... Tested from the beginning. That's it. But you told that computer a good story. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it just deleted it. Yeah. No, no, it well, swallowed it. Yeah. Oh, swallowed yeah. it, it and would not it. give it back. That's oh, I love it. Someday yeah. he'll come knocking on my door. That's right. Do you remember? Get the axe! Get the axe! Robopocalypse. Robopocalypse. Right, and you'll survive because the TRS-80 will remember. No, That's no, right. that one no, told no. me a really good told story. Told me a story. Right. We love her. Yeah. Yeah. Just told it to me. She wrote right. it yeah. in Just command code. Yeah. Clearly it was for me. That's, That's right. That's and so right. Marie will survive. Thank you, little Marie. Yeah. You've saved me again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in any apocalypse, Marie's going to be the one that survives. No, yes. Yeah. Odds are high. Yeah. Well, I, I intend so. to start it. You know, I'll have all of you. That does increase the odds for surviving it. Probably, yes. Yes. That's it. it's better with that quote, it's better to be beside the devil than in front oh, of him. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you start it, you're not going to get run over by it. That's right. <laughs> the other day, because I'm going through stuff and, you know, tossing things and packing things, I found a mimeographed copy oh. of the play that I wrote for my grade six class. Oh, that's Ooh. awesome. It was a science fiction play. Ooh. Well done. There were history students who, uh, though they were not allowed to, used their professor's time machine to bring people from the past to interview for their history project. Wow. Man, you should have sued the ass off of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> <laughs> you bet you I should have. But, oh no, when Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure came out, I went, I've done this already. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I did this! I was a child! (laughs) (laughs) Come on! You can do better than this. Honestly, how disappointing. (laughs) But, yeah. So uh, so that was kind of cool. And, of course, I'm reading it, and I'm going, oh my god, I thought that was funny. (laughs) (laughs) So it's all, you know, like like 11-year-old humor, right? Mm. 
Yeah. See, when I was 10, I was a poet. So I wasn't doing prose when I was 10. I was doing poetry. And and I was spending the summer with my great-grandparents at the farm, and and, uh, my Uncle Albert sent two of my poems into the Picton Gazette. And they paid me five bucks a poem. And I'm like, wait a minute. People will pay you for this? Yes. <laughs> it was like, and that was that was yep. the beginning. It that was, like, was the beginning. Holy crap! That's people will pay. It took oh me like God. almost yeah, twenty yeah. years to get someone to do it again. Right. Yeah. But, but you knew, but it I knew was it, there. Yes, yeah. I knew it was That's possible. Right. That's right. <laughs> Grab it. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow. The scary part is, is I can still recite the poem. Seriously, <laughs> do yeah. it. No. <laughs> <laughs> just don't yeah. work no, no, no. how do I get anything done <laughs> uh. oh, that's well, it's like when you get old you know you remember the past better than the present that's oh. what it is that kind of put a dark spin on it there yeah. Yeah. no are you kidding me I'm loving the whole being old thing it's oh, yeah? Like, yeah it's like no I'm old I don't have to do that anymore nice <laughs> like, screw you I'm old that's like oh. that's no great. there are definite advantages that you don't realize when you're younger yeah. and uh, and just to, to be very serious about it, I think we might have been talking about this recently. One of the advantages for a woman to be older mm. is that no one sees you. That's Yeah, Marie yeah. and I were talking about this. Uh, it's, say a bit. You're, you're, in that sense, you're a lot safer yeah. than you were as a younger person. Because yeah. you're invisible. Because you're invisible. You're no longer a target mm. for anyone's unwanted attention, unwanted... Uh, approach yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and, and if nothing. somebody does you can just go anti on them oh yeah it's like yeah. excuse oh, yeah, me exactly exactly <laughs> does your mother know you're here <laughs> that's right that's right don't i know your mother yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah interesting wow. yeah don't you... and you don't think about it obviously because like as a younger woman you actually don't consider that a time will ever come when you're going to be free of this oh. and that when you are you go wait a second there's something different, mm, something different going on. And then you realize it's like, I just walked through this whole mall or this wherever it is, you're down the street, wherever it is you're walking, um, without anybody turning their head to look at me, without any man saying something to me. Mm. And it's like, wow, how long has this been going on? <laughs> you know, because you get so used to it that you, you blank it out. Right. And then when you realize it's not there anymore, you go, oh, my God. I can do I whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, I can do whatever I want. I can do what I want. I can wear, I, I can wear pants. I can wear, I can wear polyester I pants with elastic and sweatshirts <laughs> with kittens on them. Woo! See, I'm just... Now, like, I never thought of that. But yeah. now that you mentioned it, <laughs> I'd like you ever would. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. See, I just turned 40, and I'm just, like, at the cusp where I'm starting to notice, like, the invisibility. But you find, like, you make me feel better here. Uh, (laughs) Help me out. Since we're both old enough to be your mother (laughs) and Brandon's grandmother. That's right. That's right. I don't think so. I I consider you both good friends. (laughs) (laughs) That was the diplomatic response. She's so, yeah. Very good. It's because she's French. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we kiss on the cheeks now? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, like it does the invisibility does it spread other places like have you found that like on on panels at conventions and stuff like do you find that you have a harder time you both have great portfolios like you're both well known well no because because on the panel all you have to be is yourself and 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 you can you can call bullshit on people 
Actually, the yeah. most fun thing in the world is watching Michelle Segarra on a panel. Mm. God, she's very good. Oh she's, my goodness, M- Michelle. And to be fair, yeah. Michelle was like this when she was twenty. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but 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 she she will be sometimes she'll be sitting on a panel. You can just tell she's trying to behave herself. She's trying to behave herself, <laughs> and then somebody will say something so egregiously stupid. She will turn lean down the table and go, that is total bullshit. And people who know her, who are in the middle seats, will move back. (laughs) And and here it begins. Because, but it's, it's, and you can do, you can do that because you don't have to worry about it. And also the great thing about being where I am in my career, I'm four years from a pension. (laughs) It's like, I don't, at this point, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can say you, you don't have to worry about what people think about you. Mm-hmm. They can think about whatever they want because I I do not have to create a, a career. I I this is as good as it's getting for yeah. me pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which exactly. I had to tell to one of Joshua's assistants where yeah. she was being all gung ho about something she was going to do with promotion and stuff, and I'm like, sweetie, maybe you should direct your attention to someone just starting out because <laughs> this is pretty much where I am right now and I'm good with that right. I'm, I'm making a reasonable middle class living Yeah, I'm cool just yeah. you know go off and be young and energetic and somebody who cares <laughs> <laughs> well somebody's going to appreciate it yeah <laughs> who, you know? whose career needs the boost I mean yeah. you can boost my career as much as you want but I am never going to be more than a mid-list writer exactly. so I want, to, I want to actually a t-shirt that says last mid-list writer standing nice because <laughs> I'm pretty okay. much it these days yeah. wow okay because uh, so, I mean even Charles DeLynn is now self-pubbing yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly exactly because he can now he can do what he wants and yeah he has the pension. But, you know, having said that, you have to reach a certain stature yes. to be able to, to do say that. Yes. Yeah. But, and part of that, yeah. though, just comes with age, just That's comes right. with being there for That's so right. long. It's just, just hang in there and keep going. It's mm-hmm. like somebody asked at a limestone genre one year. It's like, so how do I have your career? And I said, find a time machine, go yeah. back 30 years, That's right. That's <laughs> start right. then. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't do my career now. No. It, it would not work. No, there just isn't the market for mid writers. People say to me, you know, how did, how did you get published? And I, I will tell them, obviously, but I will begin by saying, this isn't going to happen to you. Yeah. Because I'm one of the last people who, you know, got, who did it the old-fashioned way. Got an agent, you know, had the manuscript submitted to the publisher. Publisher bought the manuscript. You know, agent argued about the price. I mean, this doesn't happen to people now. Right. This is not generally how it's done. So unless you're going to be taken on by somebody like Daw or like Bain, who are still operating under, like, the old-fashioned way of doing things, it's very unlikely that you're going to be having... Like starting off your career the way I started off mine, and, and even Dawn now has to do a profit and loss. Yes, right. Um, yeah. every, before they buy a book, yeah, they still because they've now got the whole random penguin weight behind them. That's right. They still Watching they have to them. go before the the board yeah. and say this book is worth what we want to pay for it because it will make this much money for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So if you're just starting out, it's easier um, for people with the first book because they have no idea. Yeah, that's true. But if you have any kind, if you have a bad book, then the marketing department goes, yeah, that's not going to Well, and, you know, one of the reasons that, you know, because I'm with Daw, and one of the reasons that I don't have a problem selling them my next book is because they're not giving me a crap load, huge advance. Right. They're just giving me a little, I'll throw her some money. Yeah. You know, and like I'm perfectly happy with it. You know, I'm happy <laughs> just to get just the to be money. Clear. Just, just to be clear, clear. <laughs> just to be clear. Right? Like it, it's, it's more money than a lot of other people have who actually work for a living. Um, but it's not the kind of money that's going to scare 
the finance department. Yeah. Or the marketing department. Or the marketing department. We will never make this back. This is enough money. We are definitely going to make this back. Go. Interesting. So. And and it's just, it's, and Daw is one of the few people who are still taking the words of their editors over the marketing department. But even they have to justify to the marketing department now because they're tied to Random Penguin. Right. Okay. So. So, yeah, profit and loss statements are just off because it means the marketing is, is buying the books, which is why I was a, uh, on the jury for the <coughs> Philip K. Dick Awards one year. Okay. And I was, it was it just, I'd hit a point where I was really depressed because everything that was coming out, it was while I'd left BACA. So I, I, and I think I still had the Locust subscription at the time. So I was seeing what was coming out, but everything looked the same. Mm-hmm. Everything, all the cover copy was the same. It was, it was just nothing really grabbed you. Um, because the seventies for all its faults, um, there was new, um, people were, were breaking, uh, uh, paradigms left and right. They were just trying new things and they weren't worrying about whether it sold. They were just exploring what they could do. And so we get into the mid nineties and it's like, oh my God, every single book on here is just, and with the Philip K. Dick awards, you get every single paperback that was published in North America during that calendar year. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah. And back then, they hadn't divided the YAs from the <laughs> adults oh either, or, or possibly that might have been the year I did the suburbs mm. work. I'm not sure. But it was just like the UPS guy was at my door every day. <laughs> <laughs> it was like boxes and boxes. Our little tiny local library, which was in a school portable for years, that particular year has like an amazing <laughs> SF section. And I, I, I realized when I was doing that, that if you want the stuff that's pushing the envelope, you have to go to the small presses. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the small presses, because they're not investing. In fact, a lot of them are like, well, give you copies. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. here's a couple thousand dollars. Right. They're, so they have nothing to lose. So they're able to take chances. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas the big companies, because they're all, it all goes back to the shareholders. It all goes back to what they can, what they can lose. And so exactly. I was just so encouraged when I did the Philip K. Dick Award about how much wonderful new stuff was coming out yeah. from the small yeah. presses. Yeah. And now as, as the, the big companies are, are coalescing even tighter, mm-hmm. um, the small presses are beginning to, to grow in and fill in the niches in that. Yeah. Um, and then new small presses that are taking chances are coming up in between. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's actually, if you look outside... <laughs> the group the, you can make the, a living yeah, at. The traditional publishing. Yeah, traditional yeah. publishing yeah. into the small presses. That's yeah. where you start to find the, the, the on the edge stuff. Yeah. And and that is actually more encouraging. Oh, absolutely. It's way more it's, encouraging now than it was even 10 years ago. It's super encouraging as a, as, well, actually, yeah, because 10 years ago, the, the stigma on self-publish Oh, yeah. was and, the, just, and even smaller and, independent presses. Yeah, the, it was just the stigma was insane. But Absolutely. now I come back from some place like CanCon with like stacks mm-hmm. of small press and self-published books. Yeah, and and like it's my entire Canadian reading section goes like limestone and, and yeah, and exactly. CanCon. And I just get stacks exactly. of, of Canadian stuff. Yeah. So and that's great because ten years ago none of that existed, and if it did, it was sneered at by the mainstream press. I remember the the year that Ad Astra did a um had separate they had they couldn't get a big dealer's room they had a, a two small dealer's rooms and they had all the self press self pub and small mm-hmm. press in one small dealer's room okay mm-hmm. and if you were published traditionally you did not go into that room oh yeah oh, you just didn't yeah. do it yeah. so yeah. and it's that started to change because it's had to because yeah. the 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 traditional presses have calcified yeah. mm-hmm. but i i think that in that sense you know if i look at, at when i think about stuff that's self published now 
in compa- in comparison to things that were self-published when it first was a possibility. Mm-hmm. And of course it's been a possibility as long as there have been printers. Yes. Well, you know, but in in that sense it was traditionally you yeah. self-published. <laughs> well, if you, if you, you paid the printer enough, to publish yeah. your book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you go back far enough, like in 18th century what you what you did was you went to a printer and said I've got an idea, I'm going to do a translation of the Iliad and they said, "Well, let me let they advertised it. They took people's money." And you did the translation, and the printer oh. printed it. Or, so you, you know, did an 18th century form. Kickstarter. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it was. You know, Alexander Pope or you know Jonathan Swift or somebody like that would say like, "Oh, I'm, I've got this idea. I'm, go- I'm, I'm working on this," yeah. and the printer would advertise it, That's and people cool. would pay. And when a sufficient amount of money was gathered in. Copies could be printed, and it was more expensive to buy a bound book, but you could cheap out and buy the the the, the paper, yes. the unbound paper. Oh. Yeah, because yeah. And you because could get it, you just I, had to print, and because and it was done serially. Like here's the first chapter, you know, here's the yeah. second oh, chapter, okay. you know, third chapter available next week, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that was a Kickstarter. So you know, or, or I've never thought yeah. of it that way before. But yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But, you know, what happened, like, I, I remember, and this, like, I must be going back about 30 years now, our, uh, fi- our first financial advisor said, like, oh, you know, I published my own book. You know, well, honey, no one else would have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and this is, this is kind of where I'm going. Like, you yeah. know, in those days, and, and even more recently, when you could do things yourself on the computer, mm-hmm. um, the reason that everybody sneered at self-publishing is because it was crap. Oh, yeah, it was awful. It was terrible, and the the um, the uh, the improvement that has happened in the last even ten or or a dozen years, because people are understanding that you know, I could actually pay an editor. Mm-hmm. I could still. And there's a lot of unemployed editors out there of right now. <laughs> you know, like there's there's ways. There are people who now understand that this is not a heartbreaking work of staggering genius just because you wrote it. No, exactly. You know, I think it, I was on a panel once, or no, I was attending a panel, an, a, one of these editor editing and revising panels, and Tim Powers, mm-hmm. the, the novelist, was on it, and he said uh, something that I thought was very interesting. Um, when speaking of revising, professionals know that they have to revise. Yeah. Amateurs think they got it right the first time. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. And what we used to deal with, you know, 15 years ago with with self-published people were amateurs. Yeah. yeah. And now we're dealing more with professionals. Mm-hmm. These are people who know they can't just publish anything that needs to be revised, it needs to be honed, it needs to be polished. Mm-hmm. And now it's good stuff. Yeah. But do you think they're still fighting the stigma from that? Absolutely. Years ago? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. There's, there's, they are. Esp- esp- Absolutely. Well, especially with people of our age who, who remembered what was going on a dozen yeah. years ago. But I think a dozen years from now, when, when we're no longer so much a factor, cause we're, you know, sitting on the front porch yelling at kids to get off our lawns. <laughs> um, Oh, Violet will be doing it in Spanish. Yeah, but, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, um, be, I'll be going, put down my wine. Because <laughs> I won't have a lawn. Good point. Get out of my cafe. That's right. That's right. I will be leaning off <laughs> my balcony, going, "Get away!" Yes, <laughs> you're not just Suera, Suera, Becky. 
But so, and I, and I think I think gradually it will. And and also yeah. a lot of the people who self publish and a lot, some of the self pub people who self publishing are essentially self publishing and they're they're a publishing company. Yes. But then they start yeah. picking up into a couple more people yes. and then yeah. and, and then they they, they they actually turn into real publishing real publishing companies. companies. Yeah, it's very it's like, very interesting. It's it's well, just the growth of and we're just seeing it. I know one of the things that Oscar says because of course people will come in and say, well, you don't have self published books, and he goes, of course I do. And he has one criterion. It has to look like a book. Oh, nice. So none of these, you know, spiral-bound right. things yeah. or, yeah. you know, anything like that. It has to look like an actual book. They're yeah. really bad Photoshopped cover. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Oscar doesn't care how bad your Photoshop cover that's good. is. You know? No, that's it, good. it has to the look like a book. <laughs> <laughs> and that's up to you. You know, yeah, as far totally. as he's concerned, he will give you the opportunity to sell your book. Yeah. And if your book doesn't sell, it's not his problem. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, so, and uh, uh, four or five years ago, I was one of the uh, judges for the uh, Arthur Ellis Awards. Because okay. um, Vicki Delaney, our friend Vicki Delaney, was the, uh, the person in charge of the awards that year. So I read, uh, I read for, uh, not the Unhanged Arthur, which is unpublished manuscript, but um, first time, first published. And the Arthur Ellis Award is uh, for mysteries. Sorry, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's the Canadian. It's the Canadian Mystery Writing Award. Gotcha. Arthur Ellis was the official public name of the Canadian hangman. Oh wow! So whatever your name actually was, you were known Whoa, as Arthur, Arthur Ellis. Okay. So that people didn't know who you were in your private life. Right. Okay. Right. So yeah. So and you would travel all over the place because you would be the official hangman. Right. Okay. So. Wow. Uh, and that's obviously why the crime writers of Canada have chosen that name for their for yeah. their award. And it's actually a little hanged doll, oh. <laughs> like it's a, it's an articulated wooden puppet yeah, yeah, yeah. hanging from oh, a gallows. Awesome. Oh yeah, cool. it's it's the coolest thing on the, uh, on the planet. So I was reading for a uh, first published novel, and I had like maybe thirty eight, okay, of which maybe five or six were self published. Of those five or six, three of them were pretending not to be. Mm. <laughs> and because we were told who published it. Like, yeah. that was part of the information that mm -hmm. we got. And so it was like, uh, you know, um, the, uh, the Deadly Dog by John Smith. Publisher, John Smith and Associates. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, sweetie, you're self-published. Right? Yeah. So own up to it, because the other fellas did. Yeah. You know, so, and of the six... Two of them, you would never have known whether they were self-published or not, except the font was wrong. Oh. Like, it was so difficult to read. And the margins were funny. Mm -hmm. That you, like, you got a headache by the time you were in the second or third chapter, and oh, you had right. to put it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was nothing wrong with the writing. Nothing. Oh, interesting. It was just the, the physical format of it was next to impossible to read. Yeah, yeah. So this person hadn't gotten good advice about what it should look like and what the page should look like and the right kind of font and that kind of thing. But they were fine from the point of view of the actual, the, the, the quality of the writing itself. Yeah, yeah. The rest were, oh my God. <laughs> you know, that, like they, they would send you the, um, uh, um, how, to, how to do the judging, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so you, we think, you know, you should read X number of pages, right. you know, of every one, right? No, <laughs> no, no. I'm I'm sorry, but it, I'm like with I'm with editors in in publication. By page three, I already know mm. I don't want to buy your book, and that's if you're a judge, you already know by yeah. by page yeah. three 
you know, I'm not giving this thing an award. Yeah, yeah and, and sometimes by page two, you may like it. You may even want to read yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. But you know you're not giving it an award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And oddly enough, the person who I wish I could remember, somebody St. Clair? Uh, it was a it was a mystery book, but it was paranormal. And I thought, oh, the other two judges are not going to go for this. <laughs> They're not going to go for it. You know, I'm going to go for it because I'm a fantasy writer. Yeah. And so the, the, the element of the fantastic in it is, you know, really speaks to me. And the two of them were thinking the same thing. No way. Oh, I'm, I'm the only one that's going to vote for this. And they were marshalling their arguments, <laughs> right? And, and, you know, and I said, awesome. well, because, you know, you've got your short list, right? But of the short list, you have to say which is the winner. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So the yeah. the short list is published, but yeah. it's already known at that point who actually okay. who actually won, only by a very small number of people, and so we were all going. Well, you know, I would consider this for um, um, the first place. Oh, really? So would I. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was fantastic because we 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 were all of us so relieved. It was such an easy experience, and it, and it, it isn't always. And, right. Well, but it's funny because it it's clearly. The good books rose to the top. When I did the Philip K. Dick Award, there were um, there were five of us on the jury. Three of us had one book as number one, and a, and a, a different book as and, a, and and another book as number two, and it flipped. Yeah. The other two oh. people had the yes. book we had as number two as number one oh. yes. and three. But those were the only two books in the first two slots out of That's the five right. of us. That's yeah. right. It was it was yeah. super easy for yeah. us to because the, the the people with the three just, just went yeah okay whatever yeah because yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the twos were going you know that was our second place anyway so yeah, exactly. well we did we'll a kind it. of it was... standard um, because there were three of us so uh, two yeses it's in two noes it's out so oh, okay. like regardless of what the third person thought yeah. if it's two noes that book is no longer under consideration. And there was one book that uh, they said, like, oh, you know, like the first thing you do is like, like, here are my 10 rejects. Like these, I'm not even going to discuss these. So we exchanged rejects. And one of them, I had put one on the reject pile. And the other two had said, like, oh, well, you know, I haven't finished it. But, you know, it seems quite interesting. And and I've, I've never read anything like this before. And I thought to myself, Geez, you haven't read much, have you? <laughs> because I and, and I said, well, you know, maybe it's because I tend to read more of this kind of stuff. But um, I have read something like this before, and I knew who the bad guy was by about page forty-five, mm. and I had suspected before that. But at that point, I knew, and you know, I'm judging, so I flipped to the back and went, uh huh. <laughs> right? So I said, I wouldn't like. I'm not supporting this. At all, and they went good enough for us. Wow! So they and they didn't finish reading it. Okay. The year, the year, the, well, the year I did the sunburst, starburst, sunburst, sunburst yeah. uh, was the year that Life of Pi won. Oh, oh yeah, so it was yeah. like it was the only year that I actually had read one of the books yeah, on yeah, canon exactly. reads. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, exactly. Woo! Yeah, yeah. I've read that. Oh my god! Because <laughs> generally, they're they're like, wow, Canada's is reading that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, maybe the, the, the biography of Ken Dryden. I can actually see Canada <laughs> reading that. But you're looking at the rest of it going, no, you may yeah, be but, reading it. But. Yeah. It's the same 20 people. Yeah, yeah. well, good point. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not anything any of us are reading. Yeah, yeah that's it. But that's, I've, I've always found a lot of awards in the arts are like that. There's a yeah. little bit of a move between that and mass consumption. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, yes. definitely. Well, a friend, it, oh. well, as I was going to say, as Steve Lay told me once, it's, it's like uh, 
good doesn't count, popular counts. Yeah. <laughs> well, a friend of mine was, uh, who, who uh, is an English professor, uh, was doing um, one of these master's degrees that you can do that you don't have to attend. The, like oh, you don't yeah. have to be physically in the university. Yep. You sort of do it. That'd be my kind of master's yeah. if I yeah. had one. Like, can it I was mail you a box print, of my books? Creative yeah. writing, yeah. right? Because and she, all she wanted, she just wanted to sort of expand her teaching area a little bit mm. so that if she applied for a job and you know, they needed a creative writing person, she could apply for that job. Yeah. So um, sh- they said to her, well, you know, you've got, uh, these are the courses that are available to you this term, you know, such and such, such and such, and popular fiction. And she said, what? You mean there's only, uh, so is unpopular fiction being given next term? <laughs> and they kind of went, and she said, or is everything else unpopular fiction? <laughs> because that's really what we're, you're saying, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. You're it's saying that there's popular stuff and then there's unpopular stuff. Then there's then there's the stuff that we want you to read. You feel obligated. Oh, you should read it. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, sh- I should read this. This is well, yeah. of course. And a lot of the books, like historically, a lot of the books that people say, like, oh, you know, the great classics mm-hmm. were popular fiction in their day. Well, yeah, sure. Dickens. Yeah. Dickens. Dickens is, is like a prime example. Paid Jane by Austin. the word. Jane, Jane Austen yeah. is another perfect example. She was a novel. It's like, oh my gosh, you don't read novels, you read books of sermons. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, but you think of all the go- the gothic novels that are now, you know, considered like, you know, The Castle of Udolpho and, uh, or no, The Mystery of Udolpho, it's The Castle of Otranto. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know. I love how you said late... that, like you knew what she was talking I, about. I, 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 <laughs> the, these are the, the late 18th century. century. Was, uh, yeah, you were I, thinking I, that's I, wrong. I, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, okay, yeah. well, no, you're no, historian, and, you know, so yeah. No, but I mixed it up in my head with something else, so I actually have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> there was, uh, and, and the, uh, the Udolpho <laughs> one is written by Anne Radcliffe. And you oh, know okay. the, uh, the American University slash college that's called Radcliffe? No. Named after her. She was the, but she, to be fair, she was the countess of something or another. So it was probably as the countess of something or another that they took her name. She probably endowed. Yeah, yeah, she probably endowed it. But we're talking about the late, like, 18th century is my field, and in the end of the 18th century, that's when the Gothic novel really came into Mm. its own. Okay, and that's when people started reading novels. Mm. You know, prior to that, we're talking about things like, you know, uh, Defoe. Um, Okay. So were they novels? Maybe, maybe not. You know, they yeah, yeah, they yeah. were still uh, experimenting. Right. Okay. Um, you know, Gulliver's Travels is nothing like um, the Adventures of Robinson Crusoe, right. and yet both are considered to be novels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, up until that point, because we always talk about genre and non-genre oh, stuff, yeah. right? Up until up until the 18th century, genre was pretty well two things. Okay. Poetry and prose. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Poetry was fiction. It didn't have to rhyme. It just had to be fiction. And prose was nonfiction. Well, now, that started to fall apart in the 17th century, like in, in you know, Milton. Yeah, yeah, in, in yeah, that, yeah. In that era. But prior to that, I mean, basically, like if you're looking at um, Sir Philip Sidney wrote uh, uh, an apology for poesy. Mm. Um, and what he's basically writing about is fiction so they they didn't consider it to be like what we think of as a poem we think of in terms of formatting yeah um and it wasn't quite things were not as cut and dried then right you know now it's like oh my god you're you're narrowed down into a sub sub category of a sub sub genre yeah you know and in those days you were just a writer yeah, exactly. You know, and there was, in some ways, those things, it was easier then. Oh, well, God, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But now it's, like we already mentioned, it's marketing yeah. departments. And yeah. It's, 
Well, Baca used to, the books were alphabetical by author. Yeah. There was no substitution. Yeah. Fantasy and science fiction wasn't separated. Horror oh, wasn't wow. separated. Yeah. The only thing we separated out was the media books. Okay. Like yeah. the, the, uh, yeah. the vast number of Star Trek books yeah. being written at that time. Yeah. But everything else was just alphabetical by author. There wasn't wow. a horror section or a fantasy or something. Well, because things you get things like um, Anne McCaffrey. Where do you put the dragon books? They're actually science fiction, yeah. mm-hmm. but, but they, they read dragons. like fantasy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. They, in no way do they read like do they read like science fiction. So, well, Oscar yeah. does his fantasy and science fiction se- section by uh, by, author. by author. Okay, yeah. He doesn't distinguish. He will distinguish, um, like he distinguishes children's books. Right. Sure. Yes. And, well, yeah. And yeah, we had li- we had, okay, fair enough. We had a small children's section. But basically, yeah. literature is not science fiction or fantasy. Yeah. Everything yeah. else goes oh, over on sure. that yeah, wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he has a, a crime, a yeah. crime section. Yeah, totally. But well, now they... horror is in with the literature. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Because oh, yeah. I think Books on the Bay has horror yeah. separately. Because I'm, I'm yeah, thinking. Okay. okay. So where are you know where's Stephen King? Like yeah. I think he had a new book out. <laughs> Did he not? Right. And Oscar goes like over there in the literature. What? <laughs> Excuse me. And he says all the horror is in the literature. He said I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Well, yeah, because I think of, like, you know, Stephen King or Dean Koontz. Or like, I yeah. can see them in there. And then yeah. Marie and I were talking about John Madbury earlier, and, and to, he's always in the horror section, say, at Chapters, but to me, he's science fiction. Because it's it's all, sci- like, it's Department of Military Sciences. It's all, it's, it's right. pathogens, and then it's aliens, mm-hmm. and then yeah. it's genetically yeah. modified creatures. That's sci-fi. It's not horror. Horror is a little bit weird, though, because it does very much blend a line between, like, science fiction and sure. kind of the scary, because if you look even at Meyer Grant. I was I was just thinking about that, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, I was thinking, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's class, you know, it's, 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 it's science zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's zo- zombies with yeah. a scientific rationale. Yeah. Exactly, with yeah. not too far a future. Yeah, so. yeah. right. And then yeah. and then she went into the the parasitical stuff. Yes. Yeah. Having lunch with Sean it is exciting. <laughs> 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 we were in a Wendy's once when she was researching the. Uh, we were, I guess we went to uh, Spokon, the small one, not the Worldcon, and we yeah. were, we were both guests. And uh, we we had gone to a Wendy's for lunch, and we were sitting there eating, you know, the big Wendy's salads, and and she's discussing her research for the parasitology books, and I'm like, Shannon. <coughs> Could you not? (laughs) This is fascinating, but maybe Maybe not not while we're eating. eating. Yeah, Yeah, just a bit. Because because she can talk about it for hours, right? It's like the people at the CDC know her. She's Jesus. (laughs) That's probably. I I mean, that's good and bad. Oh yeah, yeah. You're probably right. Well, she called the CDC once, and they didn't believe it was her, and. They were essentially, mostly, probably just fooling around. They made her sing the song. She has a song about the Black Death, and they made her sing it. <laughs> like, if okay, it's you. really Sean McGraw. Yeah. No, you no, can you can sing the song, song about the Black Death. I was, it's, it's, um, there was, there was, um, one of the lines in it is, uh, but there are no rats in Iceland because Iceland is too cold. Kind of thing because it never gets warm enough yeah. for rats, and also because they're an island, so they can well, control yeah. what's in. But I had I had the CD in my truck, and and I tend to listen to music very loud in the truck. And 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 when I, I turned off the engine, I didn't turn off the CD, and I sent the truck in to get winterized. And when I came back to oh pick it up, God. the elderly mechanic <laughs> wouldn't give me back my keys. He's like, "What the hell are you <laughs> listening to?" <laughs> awesome. It's a song about the Black Death. Like, what's your problem? problem? What's wrong? I don't understand. Yeah, it's like. How hard is that to figure out? She, yeah. She's given you the entire, you know, yeah. breakdown of yeah. the Black Death in England and, yeah. she, uh, she's as it traveled. Yes. That's right. Yeah. An iambic pentameter, even. Yeah. So. 
Well, it's funny too because I was just I was just looking for thrillers like on the horror side. Oh, I was yeah. just looking for thrillers, so I was like, you know, my next book's got a little bit of a thriller bent, so I just want to like consume a lot of thrillers for fun. And a lot of them are just in literature, even though they have the horror bent, they have mm. the science bent. So it's like sometimes I feel like the marketing departments just go, yeah, we'll put it that cover and put it in this <laughs> space, and that one. Will yeah, no, what the hell? Yeah. It didn't sell a science fiction. Let's slap That's a horror like, cover yeah. on it and see yeah, what exactly, happens. Exactly. Cause, cause, but I, I think yeah. part of it is because the horror does get put into literature. So yeah, if you right, can yeah. sell it is horror you yeah. get you have a better chance at awards well non-genre awards anyway yeah if, exactly yeah you know no one's ever going to get a giller for a science fiction novel but you might get it for for horror for what yeah. is essentially a horror, a horror novel, novel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well yeah. That's, uh david demtrak that's not the giller right it was yeah it was the giller yeah, was it the giller? Yeah. Oh, okay yeah, yeah. I stand <coughs> there you go there's the example right there yeah, yeah, yeah. so cool well, well life is... of pi won a bunch of something other than the the uh star I, summers I, I, didn't I, it Oh, I'm, I'm, I oh, think it, it did. did. Yeah, yeah. I won a bunch of. Yeah. I won a bunch of stuff, and I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry, that's fantasy, damn it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> talking tigers. Yeah. Well, like, I, I know I've the said moment this. the tiger talks, yeah. it's fantasy. <laughs> I know I've said this before that um, in Europe, you know, because I, I spend a certain amount of my time in Spain, and uh, the reaction of people in Europe towards genre fiction is entirely different. Mm. You know what what we have here is that obviously within our community, we're all very supportive of it. We write it. We read it. We we like it. Yeah. Uh, outside of the community, you're often having to explain things to people or mm-hmm. refusing yeah. to explain. Basically. Um, you know, in Spain, if, if, I, if somebody says, oh, you know, my cousin's a writer, and people will say to me, oh, what do you write? And I say, fantasy. They go, oh, my God, that's wonderful. Wow. They don't say, what? <laughs> <laughs> they don't say, do you make any money? You know, which is a, a lot of, like, again, I'm saying outside of the community, yeah. you're, the response from somebody who, who learns that you're a writer, uh, like in, in Spain, I, I don't know that much about the rest of Europe, but certainly I've been told similar things about Italy mm. and, uh, and Germany. Uh, if you say I'm a writer, everybody goes, that's wonderful. Wow. That's great. They don't expect you to make a living. No, of course Yeah, not. They, they don't care if you're also a plumber. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. fascinatingly, like, nobody in the literary field in Canada expects to make a living no. either. It's normal. You want to make a living in Canada, you'd better be a genre writer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there it's normal, you know. Yeah. And, like, you see people on the subway in, of course, you see a lot more people reading in the subway right. in Spain than you do here. But you see people, like, in suits carrying briefcases reading Game of Thrones, mm. you know, or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, I mean, Game of Thrones is now such a big phenomenon. Right. It, it doesn't matter. It has now genre. transcended. Yeah, it's yeah. transcended. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's now it's, it's now part of pop culture. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely transcended. But there is a respect there for writers that supersedes the genre that you're writing in. It's like they think writing is really difficult. Uh, you deserve all the praise in the world. Wow. I don't care what it is you've written. And there's there's a respect. Oh, is it the arts the arts are the more arts. important. The yeah. arts themselves the arts are, are more important. Yeah. So yeah, like it's not at all unusual um, to practically everybody I know plays an instrument. Maybe not well, but they play, <laughs> or, or they sing, or they dance. Okay. Like there's something, you know, and not like you know we were all sent to ballet classes when we were children. Like they they actually do something still you know like they'll have a ballroom dancing group or you know something like that and we don't tend to do that no not very you know much. like so even like all of the arts you know painting music it's all taken very seriously yeah yeah, yeah. 
So I don't think we have a lot of that here. Well, no, because here, if you're not making a living at it, it doesn't count. No, exactly. Yeah, I guess so. I guess, yeah. And I guess that's really what I'm getting at. Yeah, or it's just a hobby. Yeah, yeah. Even even if you're trying to make it professionally. Yeah, it's a hobby. Yeah. It's a hobby. Well, I I did I've done a number of um, um, writers festivals that are like literary, not genre stuff, Mm -hmm. and the attitude is just so strange. (laughs) It's just um, because it's for me. um, I I kind of it's my job. You know, it's the only job I've had since 1991. Right. Yeah. It's um, that was way back before the turn (laughs) of the millennium. (laughs) I was alive in 1991. Okay. Uh, I was two, but I was alive. alive. Yeah. Um, and, and there, there, there's so much, it's like, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it's art. They just have this, I was, I was at the Saskatoon Writers Festival, yeah. which is in Moose Jaw, which if you ever get a chance to go to, it's amazing. Okay. Um, people read in Saskatoon. It's, 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 it's like, um, they, they just read genre, they read non-genre, they just read a lot. Yeah. And, um, possibly because it's still, I think the most rural um, of our provinces, and so mm. they they spend more time at home. So, right. but they're sense. just really um, um, uh, cognizant readers, and I mean, they talk about the books, and nice. and every small town has like a, a, a like a, a a number of book clubs. Oh, and cool! Yeah, it was just I had a wonderful time there. But I'm in the in their um, autographing room, which was kind of. Um, in around the edges of what we would call a dealer's room and they had the mm-hmm. books all sort of piled in the middle and and um one of the women at the other table is going oh yes i've been working on my second book for two years no it was seven years sorry. i've been working on my second book for seven years now i just have to find the right words and i turned to her and said you have another job don't you <laughs> <laughs> because I can't afford to take seven years to write a book. No, exactly. I mean, I can barely afford these days to take 18 months to write a book because the genre moves so fast. Like, yes, publishing just moves absolutely. so fast. Yeah, yeah. So, it's... Well, I think that you hit on something where you said that, you know, people consider certain kinds of writing art. Yeah. So, they don't mm. expect you to make any money because it's art. It's art. Yeah. Whereas, like in Spain, they consider all writing art. See, I like that better. Yeah, yeah that's, that's so yeah. much better. Well, you yeah. know, you know what Picasso says. The muse comes, but she must find you working. Ooh, I like that. So you know, none of this. Oh, you know, I have to wait until the spirit moves me. Oh, find yeah, for you know, seven years yeah, to find the, the right word. That's right, they, lady. The, your first book was like 186 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some words you can have. <laughs> So what I'm what I'm I'm hearing is that Violet, you should just bring all of us with you to Spain. Yes, yes, I think that's yeah, an excellent idea. I think it's, it's all going to Spain. Okay, yeah. You good. know, I think we should just well, start. You know, a little con in yeah. in Granada. Just, you know, just out yeah. of curiosity, because because Quebec has maintained more European roots. Yeah. What is there a different attitude in Quebec than in English Canada towards the arts? Um. As Marie now speaks for the entire province. <laughs> <laughs> I am Quebec. Just speak Quebec. Listen um, up, French Canada. <laughs> Well, from what I can see, like, there is definitely a different um, vision to it. I mean, in Quebec, you have La Salon du Livre. So my uh, Destiny series was translated into my language, which is really funny when it happens to you. It's not my family can read it. Um, 
And it was translated by Les Editions which is one of the bigger genre publishers in, in Quebec, if not the biggest. Um, they do mystery, science fiction, fantasy, so they're big. And, and what they did is they brought me on a tour of Salon du Livre when the book came out. So it's across the provinces. They have basically book salons. Mm-hmm. They're like book expos, and they're giant. And, and like it's very much part of the culture because it's not just like on Saturday and Sunday that people will wander by and there'll be two or three, and you know you might sell a book. This is like your mob. They start out usually on the Wednesday evenings and they go for the Thursday and the Friday because the school buses come with all the kids so then you're mobbed by the school buses and then in the evenings they have the authors and then you get like you know a little uh, bar or stool at your um, at your booth and you're like a rock star right and and you have the, the book the, the big sellers like Patrick Senecal mm. is a horror writer and he's huge in my he's like 80% of the sales for my publisher are his right <laughs> so like he gets like the lineups that go till like yesterday and <laughs> and like it's Anyways, it's absolutely fantastic. And, and these Salons du Livre, like the one in Montreal, they take over Place Bonaventure, which is the biggest venue space downtown, and they fill it. Like, it gets so full, they have police helping to, like, with the traffic. They have, like, security guards. You can get caught up. And, and people know you because they pay more attention, right? Like, in Quebec, they're, like, they're excited. Like, in the Wainaranda, northern Quebec, which I did not know was six and a half hours away when I agreed to go right after an event in <laughs> Kingston. <laughs> <laughs> calculation on my part and like they have it in like arenas and then like the people will come out and they're excited because authors are coming to their origin so it, it's very much um it is very much part of the culture so that you go to the salons and leave you celebrate the authors and the genres aren't broken up yeah. the way they are yeah in english like it's not like you have a science fiction and fantasy book fair it's like no no this is this like is the book fair it's all yeah. the publishers and they all get together and that's where the main marketing and the main business happens so it's, it's a lot of fun, and that's where you meet all your friends, and you see them year after year. When your books come out, they take you out only when your books come out. But, like, it, it is huge. It's the biggest marketing investment in Quebec because that's where your money will be. They have them in France, too, because they do salons to leave the French. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it is very European in it. And there's nothing that I found in English Canada that's even remotely no. like that. No. Like, and that, that buzz, like, you see kids running to their favorite book publishers. Like, they're, like, excited, and they, like, mom, these poor publishers <laughs> are, like, not ready. And there's this one person dressed like the favorite character of a book, and that person is just, like, down. Like, <laughs> six-year-olds, all over them. There's no hope. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's it's amazing. And they build that energy up from a very young age, and then teenagers come after school. Like, it's, it's amazing to, to see all of that. It's an event. It's exciting. And the green rooms at those for the mm. authors? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> just say, yeah. You're talking like caviar. And it, depending on the time. Chocolate that it, fountain. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> dancing, people on fire. Whatever you want. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, make a note. Make a note. <laughs> but they get sponsors. And yeah, no, that's, uh, wow. it's very different at that level. Like the book culture is still very much alive. And it's very much like the, the book, the touching, the... There's more sellers in French too, more booksellers, like chapters in the go never really yeah. versus well, the in, Quebec market. In Spain so. they have, you know, National Book Day. You know, okay. that's El, awesome. El Dia del, del Libro. Ooh. And you think, well, it's only one day. Yeah. Right. But you know how here you have Mother's Day? Yeah. And about a month beforehand they start advertising stuff right. because right. it's gonna be Mother's Day yeah, soon. Absolutely. In Spain they do that for the day of the book. Wow. Right? So it's like, Oh, the day of the book is coming. We're having a day of the book sale. <laughs> you know, like you know, t- the Toyota dealership is having a day of the book sale. <laughs> you know, and this guy like it's so important. Wow. And you know, they'll come out with a new edition of Don Quixote every year. You know, and oh this God. kind of, like, it's, like, tremendous stuff. 
So why the and hell like don't, festivals. Why the hell don't we have this stuff here? Uh, that culture here? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I know. I wonder if I'm just gonna throw just complete no thought into this. I'm gonna throw it into the rain. That's this, the whole point of this. <laughs> I wonder, I'm good at no thought. You got it. <laughs> hey, uh, have some more wine. Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just give me the bottle. Give me the bottle. Um, I wonder if it has something to do with like I think it's it's coming a bit from down south and seeping into English Canada, but I wonder if it has a lot to do with wanting to overpopularize stuff, like wanting to make everything so capital. Maybe that it it seems to have maybe cheapened a little bit of of the entire film because movies kind of have the same oh yeah problem right mm, music right. has the same problem yeah, yeah, yeah they're both brutal for that like well, music has slightly less of a problem because the CRTC actually came down hard on music right which right. is why we yeah. actually have a, a, a quite a vibrant Canadian music community yeah and then they totally lost their guts trying to come down on anything else yeah. but the, yeah, but the, the 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 for the when they when they brought in the you know canadian radio stations must mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. a certain percentage of canadian music it, it gave true. the support to the canadian music industry that they're not giving to any other arts industry yeah. that's true i while you were being brilliant i had another, <laughs> i had i had another fine <laughs> here's the bottle there we go give me a bottle okay good good cheers mate um I had a thought, what if... Give that to me. (laughs) (laughs) But Violet, my thought. I had a thought, what if the problem is, and this is totally wrong, and I'm going to say it right from the get-go, but as someone who speaks English as a second language, what if the problem is that English is so predominant and so easy in a way to get the basics? Because, like, French, you don't have a lot of self-pub French writers because you can't half-ass French. You can't. Like, you can try, but it's not going to sell. A lot. Whereas English is everywhere. There's a lot more of you than there are of us. And you can certainly half-ass English. You can. Right. And a lot okay. of people... In fact, you can quarter-ass English. And it's, oh, yeah. And it's easy to <laughs> pick up. My students do it all the time. Yeah. yeah. And it's easy to pick up because it's everywhere, right? English is... It's it's prevalent. It's everywhere. It's in media. It's in film. It's like, that's how I picked it up. It was through reading. Through, just a thought, which could be completely wrong. Because I, I, I like it. Was there ever a time in Canadian <laughs> culture where... Uh, things resembled more closely what we're describing as happening in Quebec or as happening in Europe. That's a good question. Because I'm wondering if it had to have something to do with who immigrated here. Oh. Well, see, I was... in Europe, you've got the whole class strike, like everybody. From Mm. from the top to the bottom, you got everyone. In North America, you don't. You have... It's sort of like the culture, like the the celebration of the middle class. Yeah, yeah, Which means you can't do things that other people don't do. Because that, if everybody yeah. doesn't do it, yeah. it makes you suspect. Yeah, that's mm. a very good point. That's smart. It's the wine. <laughs> right? Wow, that's right? good wine. That's good wine. <laughs> I'm telling you. You can't go wrong. It's Spanish wine. Oh, oh, can no, I tell you. Yeah. Evan, I feel like you'd have something smart to say about uh. this. Now that if we would only let you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if we would only let you speak, you probably <laughs> this i always think that part of the problem is basically we don't want to pay for art and we're fine with the idea of artists not making any money like we like the idea and i think this is probably more a north american thing than anything else we love the idea of the starving artist and that that's something you have to do as an artist right that if you're an artist well that means you'll be poor and that that's what you go through and like you know if you're going to be an actor well that means you'll wait tables for a while you know while you're getting your career started and and it's not like that for other careers, right? Like when someone's I, getting started in the law, you know, like, yeah, you're going to starve and wait tables for a while. Yeah. Or you're getting started <laughs> yeah, whereas, in the law business. Right? Whereas in yeah, Spain, yeah. to be a waiter is a career. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, 
But I think you're onto something because uh, this is one of the reasons that I loved the 18th century so much, and I, I uh, focused on it for my for my academic work. Is that the 18th century is the the the, the start of the age of enlightenment, mm, and what happened was this is the this is the cusp. Everything changes, yeah. and you can see it. You know, stuff that happened in in you know uh, 17th century, stuff that happened in 19th century, totally different. In the 18th century is when it changed from this to that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, that surfaced in the 18th century was something that a professor of mine called the poet as queer duck. He was British. <laughs> and his, his, he said up until the 18th century, the poet was a professional person. You know, they, they sang if they, were in Greek, if they were Greek poets. They were Homer. They were Virgil. You know, they were Spencer. Right. You know, they were they were people who uh, who did this. They were of the people. Their work is understandable by everyone. It's accessible to everyone. Shakespeare. Right. Yeah. Right. But in the 18th century, they started to get the the idea of the unique vision that the artist is somebody who sees something that was never seen before. So they, they can't appeal to everyone right. because they have such a unique and special vision that they can only appeal to unique and special people. So anybody who appeals to the populace as a whole can't possibly be an artist. No, they're just a not. hack. You know, they're, they're, you know, popular writers. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Oh, so that was where the whole, you know, the artist starving in the, in the yeah. attic, yeah. that became the intentional creation of people who were not by any means starving in any attic, <laughs> right? But they gave out that impression of themselves. And, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, the early writers, there, there was um, a writer, in, a poet in the 18th century named Edward Young. And he wrote a series of poems, very, very good poems, called uh, Night Thoughts. And the way he explained, like, where these poems came from is that he was, I think, himself a vicar or something, but he was visiting his father who was dying and he, at, you know, every evening, and he would have to ride home from his father's house on horseback in the dark having night thoughts, mm. right? And, of course, you know, and, and we're all, you know, in, in, in class, you know, we're getting shivers, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and my professor says, he was not writing anything on the back of the fucking horse. <laughs> it was dark people. You know, he came, he came home and the fire and the wife had the slippers and the lamp. And then, and then he sat down with his pot of grog next to him. And then he wrote. There is no such thing as the poet as queer duck. This is a complete fabrication. But later on in the 19th and early and 20th centuries, to some extent, this mm. became so acceptable that people thought, well, this is how yeah. to be a poet. Like, I have to leave my family and go somewhere and starve because yeah. otherwise I won't be a real poet. Well, that's yeah. why Byron got away with so much. That's why Because he was a poet. So much. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, he got away with everything. <laughs> yeah. See, in terms of accessibility, I'm thinking T.S. Eliot and then The Rise of Modernism. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if you follow that thread, it becomes but when less you, and less accessible. When you think about T.S. Eliot, I mean, this is a guy who, what was he, an insurance? Like, what did Something he, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, like, 
you know, he had an ordinary everyday uh, yes. job, like a cleric, not clerical at, yeah, at yeah. the clerk level, but, you know, a, office. an office job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Which is why he wrote about hollow men, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So absolutely. But, you know, and in, in nowadays what, what happens, of course, is if you are teaching something that was written in the 18th century or pre-18th century or Shakespeare or anything like that, you have to explain it to people. Oh, totally. Because the commonality of experience doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So you have to say, well, this is what Shakespeare meant and this is what he was writing about. And in this time period, such and such was happening politically yeah. or socially. And then your students will go, oh, yes. now I get why it's funny. And this is, and that is, <laughs> and this is a dirty joke. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, but, you know, in those days, uh, there were parts, like, everybody went to see Shakespeare, mm. not just educated people. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the percentage of the population who could actually read was tiny. Yeah. So, but they went and they heard things yeah. and they watched things. And that's, Everybody was hearing and watching the same thing. Well, these days Shakespeare yeah. would be writing for television. Actually, not yes. right now. Now he'd probably be writing something for the web. But yeah. you know, yeah. twenty yeah. years ago, he'd have been a television yeah. writer. Absolutely, That's true. absolutely, because he was of, of everyone the quintessential yeah. popular writer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what I think. I think uh, Shakespeare in Love did so well. Oh, yeah. is, oh, is, absolutely. Is showing him as yeah. As a popular Put in writer. a dog. Dogs are funny. <laughs> <laughs> Some laughs and a bit with a dog. Yeah, like, no kidding. Ethel, yes, was Romeo and Ethel the pirate's daughter. <laughs> the titles are well, hard. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is Tom Stoppard. Yes, right? I love and Tom, Tom Stoppard. Tom Stoppard is a genius. So, you know, if, if you're talking about things that are accessible, Tom Stoppard is Tom very Stoppard. accessible. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I think actually something that Evan said with North America is that partly in North America, because we're very, it's a very young culture still, is you came to North America and you had to do everything. Yes. It, mm-hmm. It's where we're very much a less specialized culture. Mm-hmm. And if everybody can do everything, then there's nothing special about what anybody does. Right. Oh, yes. Fair. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I think it goes to go a step further. You become suspect if you try to pass yourself off as special. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah, like what makes you so? Yeah, cool? so there's yeah, there's an o- so there's bad. an automatic pushback. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, huh. I I actually got I I had I had I had a line in a short story once with the editor of the short story, which I did not realize was an actual rocket scientist. Oh. And one of the lines in the short oh, story great. was, "It doesn't take a rocket scientist," <laughs> <laughs> and he got very insulted by that. <laughs> Way to go. Yeah, I know. Interesting. Yeah, they never asked me to be in any other anthologies. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of anthologies, and we were talking a a little while ago about... See, eventually we come back to writing. (laughs) You know, the uh, the smaller publishers and the self-publishing and that. That that a lot of of the smaller publishers are now coming out with anthologies. Yeah. Because the bigger publishers don't anymore. They can't. They don't do any kind of anthology. Not single author, not, not, you know, specialized editor... Nothing. So you get a publisher like um, uh, the American pronunciation mm-hmm. ZNB, yeah. uh, which actually stands for Zombies, Zombies Need Brains. Yeah. Phenomenal. And they do like Joshua Palmatier, who's the you know the the force behind this. He another Daw author, by mm-hmm. the way, and uh, and he puts out two or three anthologies every year. Yeah. And it's this small Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's these smaller. Uh, you know, close to being self-published uh, um, publishing houses mm-hmm. 
that are providing the kinds of things, the kinds of openings and uh, uh, that we had, you know, when we were first starting, With you know, magazines. when I was a teenager, yeah. you know, when I was a teenager and if I wrote a, a, a science fiction story or a fantasy story, I had seven or eight different magazines that I could send to. Mm. Well, now you got nothing. Yeah, I know. You're pretty well like, you know, there's Asimov's, there's... FNSF is still publishing. So. Yeah. FNSF. Uh, analog. Analog is still But publishing. analog is very specific. Yeah, that's yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Analog's hard science. Yeah. Um, Beneath Seas of Skies. Yes, yeah. but and, and think but, how small they are exactly, in comparison yeah. to the, you know, to something like Asimov's. Yeah, yeah. You know, or amazing, or Omni in its day. It was, in the old days, right? you, you sent it to Omni first because yes. they paid penthouse rates. There was 3,000 bucks right. for a short story. That's right. Wow. It was, yeah, it was it amazing. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. Omni coming back? Or something? There was a rumor. Because yeah. I thought I picked up a copy of it uh, in San Antonio. There was a rumor that it was coming back. I don't know what it did. I don't know what happened. But, you know, now with people like Zombies Need Brains and other such small or publishing houses, um, you're they're now providing that niche that we've been without for yeah. fifteen or, or twenty years. Yeah, oh, that's phenomenal. I, yeah. I look at uh, Saga or Saga do it with the, the anthologies like Dominic Priziana and Novel Wolf are editing. Yeah. Like it's, they're phenomenal. And Saga, I think, is I don't know, they're not small press, but they're mid, mid. I think. I think they're yeah. mid. Yeah. yeah. But so, yeah, and but that, Saga at this yeah. point is probably mid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah, but those kinds of things are, are phenomenal. But, you know, one of the things that, that Joshua Palmatier does is, you know, he's got a couple or three or four what he calls anchor authors, and right, this is yeah. what sells the anthology. Right. This is how he gets the money. Yeah. Uh, but then he has one or two slots available for unpublished, people who have been previously really? unpublished. That's, That's phenomenal. Nice. And yeah, so, because he, yeah. he'll, he'll, he gets his anchor authors down, and yeah. then yeah. he opens it up. Yeah. yeah. And then and, he says, and, okay, because, you know, like he's got maybe, I don't yeah. know, 20 stories. Yeah. So he's got his four anchor authors or his five anchor authors and the rest, well, oh, it's and, now open. And he yeah, says, so well, like what uh, Julie Trinana just did with the Plexus, right. yeah. the Plexus that's anthology. Right. She exactly. had spots deliberately set aside for first published authors. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and that was a way to, to get it, um, to, to be able to do. It's pretty much the only way you can get an anthology through a, um, a traditional publisher right now is because it's tied to Julie's like a, to a 20 year series. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And it's tied to that. So it's got a built in readership. Yeah. Absolutely. Now there's a short story that I'm writing right now cause it's due it on, on New Year's Eve. <laughs> and, I, and, and I must, I must finish it before I start drinking. Um, Oh. So she'll be working for, on it tomorrow. <laughs> that's right. Is, is for, um, I see the look of confusion on yeah, it. I have I bad see, news. So. <laughs> I think um, the the anthology is called Portals, and it's uh, it's one of those. Zombies. That's zombie. Yeah, it's yeah. And, 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 and I think yeah. he just opened. He just that's opened. Right. Didn't that's right. I, yeah. I seem to remember yeah. seeing yeah, the, the I, I, just I am opened. Maybe paying close court. attention to their current call. So uh, <laughs> what I'm doing is for my story, as I'm taking my my. Um, sword and sorcery characters, Dylan mm. and Parno, and they are coming through a portal into this world. Oh, cool. So that's it. And the portal is the elevator in Tanya Huff's Summon the Keeper novel. No oh, freaking way. Awesome. So, so, so Violet's asking me things like, so does the elevator have like a, what did it land like? I don't know. Just <laughs> <laughs> make it up. Yeah. I'm re- and I'm going, I wrote it on in 1997. I don't know what I did you last know, Tuesday. You know, it's sort of like this, you know. And of course, when you said oh, it's like the the, the elevator in the S and R, it's like oh, okay, oh, now I know. The old elevator. About. Well, when, growing up in Kingston, the only elevator in the entire city was the elevator at the S and R, which was a elevator. department store. Which is an yeah. old department yeah. store that was at the very end of Princess Street. Yeah, that's right. And unlike now, when there's a lot going on down there, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was like pretty much. 
I don't know, Clergy Street and then oh. nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until <laughs> you got to the SNR. So it had to be, it was, it was an adventure to go to the SNR. And when you're in the SNR, you actually had to ride the elevator. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Because I think it was three stories, but it was one of those, and it had it actually had like an elevator operator yeah. oh. with the lever, oh. with the doors, okay. with the yeah. lever. When I was there, that when I was when I was a kid, because remember that was the dark ages. That's right. Yes, I keep forgetting. <laughs> um, it had an actually born. it actually had an elevator operator who worked the oh, the no, handle on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then when I, by the time I got to high school, Sears at the mall had put in an escalator. Oh yeah, so we'd all go to Sears because you could to, ride, to the ride the escalator. escalator. Yeah. Of so I'm glaring at me because I'm young. Evan. No, no, I'm just wondering at this point whether this is better or worse than the spider jokes from the last one this we is, recorded. This is better. Than, this is better than better than spider than jokes. Spider jokes? Than oh, good. Spider. Hey, we're better than spider jokes. Hey, come on. <laughs> Yay. Yes, go team. <laughs> oh man, not that I'm not enjoying this, but I'm looking at the time. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, dark, yeah, so it's it's at least to, after five. Well, yeah, it's two hours forty five minutes. So far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not worried. I'm worried about you dropping back. That, that's what well, unless no, unless he, unless he left 20 minutes after he got no, there, I he's going to be that. driving in the dark. Like, I'm of time. Like, the, the only thing that, of course, I'm yeah, I'm dark, hearing kitchen noises. Yes, yeah, I, I am too. So yeah. you know, yeah. but I'm not so. smelling There's, kitchen smells yet. No, that's no, true. Okay. Right, okay. That's so. true. But he so might be angrily chopping things. Waiting. No, no, things are already chopped. Okay. Yeah, I saw that when I was down. Everything. Everything's already chopped. Angry rolling? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's pizza. It's pizza, so it's like it's this. Oh, angry fingering? Know. Angry fingering. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, that doesn't Well, okay, we've now got to that part of the podcast. <laughs> it <laughs> is beautiful. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's, it's God. Yeah. I got, just because I probably will forget to mention this to me later, it was, I was walking through the airport. This kind of ties back to older women being invisible. And I was back when I used to do a lot of conventions, like back before the turnip got elected south of the border. Because I don't, I don't cross the border. I don't cross the border anymore. So, but when I was doing a lot, I was going through uh, Pearson um, and I was, I guess I was, I know I was wearing like a pair of the French dressing jeans and I had, I had heels on and the sweater. And it's like, and somebody came up to me and said, are you French? And I'm like, no, but thank you. <laughs> I, just, I just thought it's it's funny because in Canada, the, it's kind of the, like if you're French, you're stylish. You're automatically yeah, stylish exactly, because you're French. Exactly. <laughs> like, so I went to like, Ottawa because no one ever comes up to me and says, "Are you from Manitoba?" <laughs> I mean, then you're probably wearing your barn boots. And <laughs> I went to Ottawa with Paul's parents on some. Paul's father is a painter, or was a painter, I should say, and uh, used to belong to the Rideau uh, Lakes Artists Association. Oh, this cool. is where we live. Is Rideau Lakes. And they would get special trips to the art gallery in Ottawa. So nice. whenever possible, I would go along with them. And so one time, whatever it was they had scheduled for the afternoon was of no interest to me. So I went shopping. And I, I, ha- I was wearing a hat. It's in the middle of the summer. Yeah. So if I went into the store wearing the hat, everyone spoke to me in French. <laughs> if... I went out, oh, and it's starting to rain, so I've taken the hat off and put up the umbrella, because oftentimes the hat does not fit under the umbrella. Uh, without hat, everyone spoke to me in English. And I thought, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you figured it out. Evidently, the <laughs> French ladies are more stylish than the English ladies. But, well, see, there's, there's a thing, though. Like, French ladies, they can be either really stylish or they can have, like, Missed it by like 0.10 degrees. <laughs> Falls into oh, horrible. Yeah. Ever so yeah. close. Yeah. Falls into like terrible. Like somehow 
good or really bad. There is no in between. Whereas you know, otherwise there's a lot of nice in between. You yeah. know, but yes. no, not, so not that's the between. rest of Canada. It's yeah. the in between. We're all the in between. I don't know. Whenever I've been Montreal is is my my only real experience of French Canada, and what I've always found is that people are dressed like they dress in Europe. They dress like they're out of the house today. Oh, yes. You know, whereas in English Canada, they tend to dress as though they didn't have time to put real clothes on before they left the house. Your yoga pants aren't as big a seller in French Canada. No, no, I hear that because like when I go out, like I mean, you know, I'm dressed in yeah, I'm, blue jeans and a t-shirt. I'm, I'm sitting here feeling deep mm. shame. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. Like, cause, no, but the thing is, no, no, because we're in At house. We are in well, house. Yes. Right, no, I was we're on family. Like you know. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Yes, okay, you well, know, my, my teaching attire at work is, is this. Yeah. With, with a, a suit jacket. It's, yeah. it's Exactly what I wear at CanCon. That's I, yeah. so. That's my professional. I'm using it, yeah. it's professional. But attire. see, that's uh, oftentimes you will see men dressed like that in Spain. That they're wearing like some kind of you know. T-shirty looking with a, with a suit jacket on top. Yeah, okay. it dresses okay. it up. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because so I'm, so it's I'm, like I'm, yeah, I'm trendy. Yeah, yes. you're not so the thing European. Oh, if you're go. if you're wearing like you know running shoes and uh, shorts or something, yeah. they assume that you've had to stop at the store on your way to the beach. <laughs> because otherwise you wouldn't be dressed like this. Of course. Yeah. You know, like you, you don't expect actually to, you know, go into a bar and, and get served. Like, well, of course you would be. Yes. But, you know, of course everybody in the bar would be going, look at that guy. Tourist. <laughs> Tourist. 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, and actually, listening to Violet, when I would, I did a convention in Italy back in, God, I don't know, early, early 20s, uh, early 20 teens I don't know somewhere it's like it wasn't last Tuesday it wasn't last Tuesday and it wasn't the 60s so I'm not going to remember it early twos it was the early twos Uh, whatever Um, but I, I didn't take any denim and I just I was like in like in linen and dressy stuff the whole time, and everyone thought I was Italian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, since I look German, is kind of fascinating. But yeah, you know, it's like, northern but, but it was they did they didn't think I was a tourist. Yeah, because so I got completely right. different service. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because see, I was I was I was I was and dressed. Paul and I, wasn't I have been doing this for years. Clothes. Like we don't when when we would go, you know, just to visit a family, we wouldn't dress the way we would dress to go into town to do right, something. Right. We would dress as though we were Spanish. And what what ha- would happen is, first of all, we're not the targets for pickpockets yep. and similar things. Yep. And you you get better initial service at, in a bar or or a oh, restaurant. I can see that absolutely. Like if you if you know if I walk in, in in jeans and a t-shirt, but I start speaking to them in Spanish, well then I'm going to get good service. Yeah. Until I start speaking to them in Spanish, not so much. Yeah. But if I go in dressed like a Spanish lady, yeah. well, then I'm going to be treated like a Spanish lady right, right, right. and not like a tourist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is. It is. And, yeah. you know, this is a country that has now for 50 or 60 years had is, tourism is their major right. industry. Yeah, it's like half of England right. pours yeah. into Spain. Yeah. Every winter. So, you know, it, it's for them, it's a very bittersweet thing. Yeah. You know, like on the one hand, it's like, oh, thank God we've got money coming in from outside. But on the other hand, look what we have to put up with. <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God, the Americans, you know, oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I made that mistake when I was in um, England and France in, well, specifically in England. Um, in the 12th grade, we went on a trip for the 90th anniversary of Vimy Ridge and, and turned mm-hmm. around and stuff. Um, and the first day we're walking around uh, London, we're going past Westminster Abbey and whatnot, and I was wearing a, a, a plaid coat. So it looked very much like a Canadian stoner. 
uh, <laughs> and, and I got and I got swindled that first day while I was in uh, while I was in England because I they spotted me coming a mile away, and there was this uh, this old woman comes up to me and, and she's got these flowers and she's going up to people and being like you know some sort of charity thing she's babbling away. Yeah. And I'm at the back of the group, and she and all of a sudden she's right in my face, this tiny little old woman, and, and she's babbling at me about you know, feed the children, save the children, Jesus yeah. loves you, whatever the hell. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And and my teacher is, is you know a few steps ahead of me, and he's laughing his ass off. And, and my girlfriend at the time is standing beside him taking photos. I found yeah. out later. <laughs> right. Nobody is helping me at all. Yeah. Right? Notice and, he said his girlfriend at the time. time. Right. <laughs> that is a long and complicated story, by the way. We all talked about that. But she has photos. But she has photos. Still, probably, um, and so, so it's, you know, in my face, and I'm like, I don't want to do it. And she, it's, she's taking donations for some charity, and I'm like, I, you know, and me and my infinite seventeen-year-old wisdom, um, I say to her, you know, I, I love, sure, I'll, I'm trying, I'll give you, you know, some sort of donation. Um, you know, it's my, it's my first day in the country. All I have is like paper money and large bills. Do you have change? <laughs> and she said, no. To which she said, of course I do. Ah. And so I'm like, okay. And so she's, and she, and as she oh, shut up, Marie. And so, <laughs> and so as she's babbling, you know, she's sticking this, this flower in the lapel of my yep. plaid stoner jacket. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm, I'm fishing up money and I ended up handing her, uh, it was, it was, I, I remember, cause I, wrote, I wrote a story about this later. It was the equivalent of 1250 Canadians. I don't know what that would be in British pounds, but something. And so I hand it off to her and I look down at the flower and I look up and she's Five across pounds. the street. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, the f- like she's gone. She's, yep. she's hauled yep. out. And I look at the flower and that's, you know, the teacher comes over, my girlfriend comes over and they're laughing at me. And I look at the flower and it's not even a flower. It's tin foil and tissue paper. And so I'm like, okay, well, that's really weird. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm out, you know, five pounds. Of the yeah. And we round the corner and I see lines of um, older women with booths set up selling actual flowers for their actual charity. Right. <laughs> oh. Oh, God. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Not my finest moment. Well, (laughs) but not your worst. (laughs) No, not by far. (laughs) I was going to the castle in Milan um, because the convention was like a few days and then the publisher paid for an extra like three or four days. So we had like three or four days to wander around. Uh, Rob and Carolyn went to Venice and I thought, no, you know, if I want to see Venice, I'd like to spend more than 90 minutes there. And so I was just like, I'm I'm in Milan. I wander around Milan. And I was, I was, I was in looking at the castle in this, really amazingly gorgeous um, black guy came over and he was from North Africa and he asked if I was American and I said, no, I'm Canadian. And he immediately went off in French because of course, <laughs> France colonized yeah. most of yeah. North Africa. Yeah, right. So I had to use my one line of French, which is, which is, we should parle un petit peu mais je ne comprends pas. Because <laughs> <laughs> nice. I couldn't understand a word he said. It just went, it just, That's awesome. it just went on. Plus lentement, s'il vous plaît. That's good. Is that slow down? Yeah. Or slow down. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was part of it. I couldn't, I yeah. couldn't hear any of the breaks between yeah. words. Well, it's there like, are no breaks. Like if you say one, there are no glottal tell me one word, language. one word at a time and I'm yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, don't try me yeah. with a sentence. Text me, text me and I can understand you. Go fast. Yeah. Like one of my biggest things with learning English was learning to slow, slow down. down. It's the so hard. It's the glottal stops. There are no glottal stops in Spanish. It's all like one word. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that was what him and, and yeah. he was doing. He was, they were doing little uh, bracelets for yeah. charities in North Africa, and he's got it around my wrist before I finished yeah, telling him I don't yeah. speak French. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, they were doing and, that in Paris. And right? of course, yeah. and then the moment that some one of the other guys sees this happening, oh yeah. So I gave him. I don't know what I had. I I think I I may have gave. Him, giving him a five euro note. I don't know. I was just at this point. I just wanted him to get away, but yeah. he was really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and so one of his other friends comes over and he's getting a bracelet on her head, and I gave him like a one euro coin, and he's like, "But and I'm like, he's a lot prettier than you." <laughs> <laughs> and then while they were arguing about it, I took off. Yeah, yeah. 
my God. It's because we're Canadian. We don't know how to get out of those things. You have to be deliberately rude to get away from them. And we just can't do that. Paul Paul does that for me. Oh, see, that's handy. Well, that's what, whenever Jehovah's Witnesses come to the door, I go hide in my office and let Fee answer the door. (laughs) Because she's perfectly capable of being rude. But I cannot do it. I, I just, although the, a couple of days ago, we had the first for in a long time, and it, it was like, people are worried about what's happening in the world today. And I said, I'm not pagan, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I said, well, she wasn't home. It's like, what yeah, do I do? <laughs> I had to do something. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just amazed I didn't say sorry before I closed oh, the yeah. door. True, true, I'm so true. sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, also, the, the dogs are great because we're tearing down the front of our house so that our, our old living room is completely empty. So when the dogs bark in it, it sounds like they're much oh, larger dogs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Smart. So it's like, I can't hold them back. Yeah. They, they, they weigh all of 20 pounds. Save yourselves. Save yourselves. Save yourselves. <laughs> when Liz and, uh, and Hayden went to, because they went to Africa and then mm. they spent some time in Spain this, this last summer. And so, of course, I'm, I'm giving them, like, you know, here's where you need to go in Madrid. And Barcelona, I don't really know. I, yeah. I haven't been there since I was a teenager. But, you know, here's where you need to go in Madrid. If you're looking for this, buy it here. If you're looking for that, drink it there. Mm. You know, and, and this kind of thing. And, uh, and one of the things I said to them was, um, make sure that in the first couple of sentences of your conversation, even if you're only talking to each other, say the word Canada. Yeah. Or even... <laughs> If you want to, if you know, if you want to try Spanish on people, say Canadiense, mm. because as soon as they know you're from Canada, like it's not going to make you know a hundred percent difference, but it's going to make an eighty percent difference. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 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 Because as long as soon as they know you're not from the states, yeah, yeah. and you're yeah. not German, yeah. Mm. Even yeah. in England, I would notice a huge difference with that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I would start speaking to people, and because they're English, they'd be very polite, and they'd ask me what part of the states I was from. Yeah. And I'd say, no, I'm actually from Canada, and their whole mannerism just yeah. changes like that. And so exactly. they're glad to talk to you, and they're happy to serve you. And exactly. Like, I'm not sure this is fair, but okay, I'll take but it. But let's take yeah. advantage yeah. of it anyway. Yeah. 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 It is like, what it what is. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were told uh, for that trip when I was in the 12th grade, so that would have been uh, 2007, I guess. Um, and, <sighs> okay, no, okay. <laughs> just just for reference, because things were you know not quite as bad back then as they are now. That's the, you know, well, that's yes. the only reason why I'm bringing it yes. up. Okay, and, but, but fair even, enough. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's the only reason. But they were bad, then, but not like now. Yeah, well, seven absolutely. was still Bush. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, but but, but even that was not as bad well, as it is now. We thought it was. We thought it was. But no, did we think it was bad? But we were told even then, make sure you know, like, yep. have a Canadian flag on your backpack. Yep. You know, make sure it's obvious that you're Canadian even then. And yeah, so I can absolutely. Only now. When I went to Tunisia. Well, I went to Tunisia mm-hmm. at one point in 2011, and it was. It was like a last minute thing, like the UN wanted to do oh, like yeah. a conference on the skilled trades, and I was the one who'd done the skilled trades. Um, uh, campaign uh, sensibilization awareness campaign across Canada for careers and trades. So they're like, "Hey, you want to come out? You speak French?" I'm like, "Great." Where? What? And it was so three weeks prep, nothing. I didn't even know if I was going to show up. And it was I show up there. It was right after apparently they'd had a revolution. It was great. There were, <laughs> <laughs> were tanks. There were barbed wire. There were lots of people with machine guns. And there so was, it was a going, positive revolution. <laughs> well, well, they thought so until they realized they were at the point where like the speeches were still all the same and nothing was actually changing and the, the, the disillusionment was starting to settle if you will so it was a bit interesting to see but I get there I've got three days there I've got like I booked a driver because all I know is like don't be alone as a white girl and like dress appropriately you know that's all I've done research 
And as soon as they found out, because I spoke French, which is a second language there too, so that was great. And uh, as soon as they found out I was from Quebec, it was like, Quebec, oh, we love Quebec. And it was, and when I was like negotiating, because they love negotiating around, I love negotiating. Yeah. So we were just like, you know, really having fun. And I'm negotiating in Carthage. I'm in Carthage. I'm like, oh. I'm in Carthage. And I really want these, um, these nice, um, uh, these nice pieces of art that they have there because I'm in Carthage and I want to bring all of these home and I'm negotiating and I'm like oh and, and I need him to get to a certain point because I'm out of money like yeah. this is all I yeah. have for cash right? Yeah. and I'm like oh mais monsieur je viens de Québec et je retourne demain you know I come from Quebec and I'm going back tomorrow it's like Quebec oh ben madame <laughs> is that first you're Canadian, so now you're on you're on a good footing. Right. Good. And as soon as I start talking about my my grandfather or my cousins uh, or something, it's like okay, yeah, she's Spanish, so it's all right. Mm. Nice. So immediately it's like you're you're one of the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a totally different and and more so in the areas that are like high tourist, like the restaurants and, and things that are around, you know, the Royal Palace right. or the art galleries or, or wherever, you know, where, where it, you're going to get a high tourist uh, traffic. Yeah. Uh, if, they, if they think, if they have any reason to think that you're Spanish, that's it. Like they will actually be talking to you about the other people in the place. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you see the lady at the end of the bar? I am telling you, that woman is shit-faced. <laughs> you know, or whatever. Because it's like suddenly you're, you're a regular. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. and though this is the first time you've ever walked into the place, wow. but it's like, oh, well, all of us Spaniards together, yeah. Yeah. you know, and those foreign because tourists. We're being outnumbered you know, by the British at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're in one of our, our the one, a place that we, we were there very often in the Plaza Mayor and we're sitting there and um, what they call, I think, a hen party. Uh, comes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a female uh, version of a stag party. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so they're like the bride, her bridesmaids, um, you know, the mom, yeah. you know, and so there's maybe yeah. 14 or 15 women yes. of varying ages. They're, they all have bright pink t-shirts on and the, the front has their name and the back has what they are. Oh, okay, bride, yeah. mother of the bride, mother of the groom, whatever. Yeah. Right. And so they're they're all giggly and I and, really wouldn't have wanted oh, yeah. the mother Fiona's mother. Okay. Can you believe <laughs> that? Lord. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So so they're putting tables together because we're you know in the in the in the open square yeah. and they're putting tables together and they're la 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 and you know and our our waiter you know the, we we know these guys we go to this place all the time and uh, the next thing I know like he's over there talking to them and they all sort of get up and go away and I said what happened. You know, because, like, this is a great place, and they have great feed, food here and everything. And he goes, they're too noisy. And he somehow convinced them that they didn't want to stay. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, can you imagine? You I want mean, to be is... at that bar. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. And I don't know what he said. <laughs> We're out of Because alcohol. he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That might have been that the only thing that had got him to move. That might have been it. And I just, we like, I couldn't nothing. believe it. And... Uh, like, I meant to say to him, like, so what did you say? Yeah. You know, and he just said, oh, we don't want them here. They're way too noisy. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's like, you know, this is, we need our regular clientele, you know, and our regular clientele is going to come and see this bunch, and they're not going to, they're not going to come. They're going to go someplace else. Were they British or American? British. Mm. Okay. And I thought, well, but it's so normal. Like, the British people are always coming 
uh, for their because it's like a weekend thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It costs them fifteen yeah. euros or something. Yeah. You know, so it's it's the thing. But they do get really rowdy and really out of hand because they're not home. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Like nobody, nobody, nobody here knows me. Yeah, they can That's throw up the veneer. And... Yeah. So in that sense, I can sort of understand why you're saying, look, you know, I, I have regular clientele yeah. who aren't going to want to have to deal with you and your noise. So yeah. out you go. Out you go. Yeah. Wow. I am smelling pizza. As am I, actually, yeah. Yes. How do we, <coughs> how would you like us to wrap it up? Shall we sing? <laughs> I mean, you could. Well, I see from our external temperature readings that it may soon be safe to emerge. We had a wonderful time today talking with our fellow survivors, so thank you to Tanya, Violet, and Marie for joining us down here in our underground safe haven. And thank you to fellow survivor Chris Kesner for providing our intro and outro music. And thank you as well to all you survivors out there for joining our conversation today. Stay safe, and whatever you do, don't look at the light. And we'll look forward to reaching you again with our next broadcast from the Wasteland.